0: Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children.
1: Hey everyone, welcome along to the first part of our kind of 1992 wrap-up on Pop Club Related and Listen. I'm Christopher Greer, as always... And this is going to be the bottom half of both Dave and my lists, our top 10. So we're going to go through numbers 10 to 6 on this one. Running through a load of albums that we think are just brilliant from 1992. Some of them that we will have touched upon in the course of this season. Some of them that we haven't even looked at. What we've also done is we have invited some other people to give their uh, opinions on what their favourite album is. So there are some previous guests from the show. We've got some of Dave's comic chums. We've got some of uh, our podcasting friends to just uh, drop us a little clip. Um, So you, those will pop up every so often through the episodes. Like I say, this is kind of the end of season three, our 1992 stuff. Uh, we will be back in the new year with the season four going through all of 1993 but we're kind of into the end bit of this one so we've got uh, this episode and then the next episode which is our top fives of 92 we might try and sneak another special in for Christmas but that's all going to depend on timing Uh, as some people know I run a pub and we are open again in tier two but it is a struggle so i'm kind of having to do a load of stuff there dave has just started a new job and he's in, up to his neck in work so we'll see what we can do if you do want to give us a little christmas present by the way don't forget that you can donate via paypal the uh, link is on our website pclpodcast.com uh, if you want to drop us what the equivalent of a little christmas carby that'd be lovely because we are trying to upgrade our equipment at some point as well so it all helps But with all that out of the way, let's get into our top 10 lists. Thank you again to everyone uh, who got in contact with their lists. Um, We are going to try and have those up on our website for everyone to have we look through and see what everybody else said. Anyway, look, let's get into this. I hope you enjoy our choices. You don't disagree too much, but feel free to let us know on any of the social media about your opinions on our choices. We are more than happy to take some criticism of our shockingly bad music taste. All right, thanks for then. We will uh, see you next time.
0: Dave Fenton here with another episode of Pop Collaborate and listen I am joined as always by my good friend Mr. Chris DeGreer. Hey everyone. Uh, we're currently surrounded by three cats who are staring
1: at us ominously. Yeah it's like uh, I'm the cat magnet whenever I come round here. Yeah it really is man it looks like it's because you're allergic. That is it, they know they yeah, fucking yeah. know. Have you
0: taken an antihistamine? I have but I can already feel it uh, not doing its job. Yeah they are properly eyeballing you mm-hmm. like uh, the birds from Alfred Hitchcock's uh, you window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, so we are at the end, as we said last time, of 1992, so that means, as is our want, mm-hmm. this is our best of 1992, where we talk about the records that came out in 1992 that we love the most. Yeah, exactly.
1: This is sort of a bit of a, 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 a wrap-up of everything we've done, and an excuse to be very effusive about some things we've spoken about before yeah. but some things that we haven't had a chance to yeah exactly so as you know
0: our, our remit is we talk about the uh, the number one uk album releases each week which does mean that quite a few of our favorite records go by the wayside mm-hmm. obviously we do do the odd special on records that we both agree on are absolutely fantastic but it does mean that some of them don't get the cut so this is our little opportunity uh, to round things up talk about the uh the records that we like the most. What are your criteria for this, Krista?
1: I was torn between two different criteria, and I've fallen somewhere in the middle, because I had the, the choice of, was it what I was listening to in 1992, yep. the, the records that I was buying or listening to at that time, yep. or is it stuff that I've you know discovered since, but was released in the same year? And I'd say probably two-thirds of what I've gone for is stuff that I was listening to then, yeah, But there are definitely some choices where I've only found out about it, maybe only a year later, but maybe 10 years later, and I've gone, no, actually, I need to include this. What about yeah, you?
0: Yeah, very much the same for me. I mean, right. there's there's a couple of records in here that I didn't know for, for years, um, but, you know, actually quite a lot of them I was listening to at the time or... Mm-hmm shortly afterwards i have
1: tried to stay in in that way i think that's the fairest way to do it rather than do a complete revisionist thing um i have also excluded some stuff that i was probably absolutely pummeling at the time yeah but hasn't 30 years later you go oh it's okay hasn't stood the test of time. Yeah, so exactly it's definitely gone both ways but i think in general it's stuff that i would have enjoyed in the year of '92, yeah,
0: fair enough, man. Yeah. Which really the message there is we're a pair of fucking man children in <laughs> arrested development, and, uh, uh, whose, whose tastes haven't moved on appropriately <laughs> entirely.
1: That's the story of my life, yeah. yeah
0: is exactly what we're saying. Okay, so uh, this episode is going to be uh, tracks 10 to 6. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will be a two part episode. Uh, we'll have some other bits and pieces in there. Got, um, yes, yeah, bits of feedback from people that have been on the show, we've got mm-hmm. from people that are friends of the show, we've got stuff that you guys sent us listeners for the show I mean we we did appeal to you guys for your uh your top fives, and it's got to be said, you responded mm. in a manner that we weren't expecting. Yeah,
1: my God, this is one of the, the biggest responses we've had across our social media. Yeah, I mean, we it's had... Terrific, we, brilliant.
0: Yeah, we had been intending to read everyone's out, but then we've got too many, so we'll <laughs> yeah. we'll get at them, and we're going to put all of them up on our website, I think.
1: Exactly, that's what we'll do, but we will try and uh, give some people uh, a bit of shout-out whenever it comes to something that we agree on.
0: Exactly. So, Lovely. right, so let's get this show on the road, motherfucker. Okay. Now,
1: you're going to start with your... Yep, and... I mean, you're going to be the same, but let's put this proviso in here. Yeah, you started with a list of how many? I started off with twenty-three, uh-huh. and
0: it actually could have been about twenty-eight, thirty. Right. There, was, there <laughs> were, there, you know, there were hip-hop albums on there, for example, like like Lord Finesse album, which I really liked at the time, but haven't really revisited yeah. in a long, long while. There's bit, loads of bits of hip-hop on there that, you know, I would have quite liked to talk about and get across to. Another audience. I mm. had had a ton of honourable mentions, basically. Yeah,
1: no, exactly. Same here. And that's so what my point is kind of whatever I'm going to say is number 10 yep. isn't definitely number 10, you yes, know, because indeed. I had another t- 10 or 11 albums that could well have taken this spot, you know. But you have to do something, you've got to make choices. Exactly. And so what I've tried to do is go with something that I listened to a lot and something that I thought was, you know, changed my view of music or gave me a gateway to something else. That sort of thing. Blah, blah, blah. So number 10. Anyway, I have gone for uh, Dirty by Sonic Youth. Nice. Which is, I think, their second best album because I, my first introductions to Sonic Youth were Goo, the previous one, which we talked about in our best of 1991. Yes, indeed. And then this one. Those were the first two I heard and therefore this is the era of Sonic Youth that I fucking love. Yes. The bit before, if someone had tried to introduce me to Sonic Youth in 1987 and gone, no, check check this band out, would have been too weird for me. Sure. And if someone had, uh, if, if my first introduction had been their 96, 97 stuff, I'd have been, yeah, it's gone off the boil. But this was perfect. This was uh, a band really, I think, focused on what they wanted to do. I think these, both those albums sound like a full album. Dirty sounds like a complete yep. album to me. It's got massive riffs. It's got scuzzy, dirty guitars. Uh, both Thurston Moore and Kim Gordon, the top of their game with the vocals, just kind of weird, uh, sort of menacing vocals when it needs to be, shouting all over the place when it needs to be, or just calm and strange when it, it's doing that. There's so much I love about this album. And I think that the main difference for me is this, this has got just really good tunes on it. And so if you look at the singles, right, you got 100%, yep. uh, uh, Youth Against Fascism, Sugarcane, all three of those, actually really good singles. You know, you could... Hear those in uh, an indie club, and it wouldn't sound out of place for the rest of the stuff. Whereas a lot of other Sonic Youth stuff would. Sure. So that is the main thing for me. It's got tunes that I fucking love. This is as good for me as you're going to find.
0: Well, you know, you weren't you weren't alone. Uh, it's got to be said, yeah, no, I there are quite a few of our listeners. This isn't this in isn't. my list, but it was, it was number one on our pal Cliff Perry's list, yeah. Uh, EMK Seattle, uh, number one on their list, nice. Uh, The Herd Collective, number one on their list, yeah. Andy uh, B, Andy B, the Gambler on Twitter, uh, Mike Collins had it in his list as well. So, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, if we, if we're missing anyone there, I apologize,
1: but we've got. Oh, But it goes to There's a lot of people, like you say, had this at full number one, like best album of the year for them. Yeah, and I'm gonna say I can't argue, but I'm going to, yeah, uh, because I don't have it at number one myself. But I can see exactly why. If you're into that sort of thing, if you're into the more experimental indie stuff or the sort of less rocky thing, that's going to be right up the street. And, and like I say, this is Sonic Youth to me at one of their most accessible points but without uh, making any concessions and still writing fuck-off brilliant songs. Absolutely. And this was another one. We mentioned the show on our the Machine episode, the No Nirvana special uh, was on BBC Two. Yeah, Sonic Youth were on there, uh, and they did Drunken Butterfly, yeah. which is one where it is really between a sort of a nice, uh, not calm, verse, and then they just go fucking mental. Indeed. With just like really just scratching like Bashing up the guitars yeah. between the time, ty- and that is exactly the dichotomy of the. the I mean, like no them. one did "quiet loud, quiet loud, quiet loud" better than bands in 1992, did oh they? To be God. fair, yeah, it was it was the do rigueur thing. It was almost like they had a switch on their their pedal board when just one is quiet and this one over here is loud.
0: What's, what's your best ever "quiet loud" song? Ooh, "quiet loud"
1: song, All right? Have you got one in mind? I've got one. Yeah. All right, you go yours. I'm going to think.
0: Mogwai, "Fear Satan." Oh God, that's where I'm going. Right, saw, I see. Saw that at Coachella. Uh, years ago in the middle of the su- su- sun beating down palm trees behind the stage yeah. and they played Mogwai Feared Satan and to a lot of people that obviously didn't know who they were and people were really getting into the riffs America- it was Americans they were cheering riffs okay. that's something that happened <laughs> um, and and then they just kind of went deathly deathly quiet and did the big pause yeah. and the kind of the audience just obviously because they weren't Mogwai didn't know what was coming and then they just pummeled it with that wall of noise and like I literally I felt a
1: little bit sick. Oh, I see. It was
0: it was such a kick in. I Is felt like you like could a, almost
1: see the air coming towards oh, mate, you. like yeah,
0: honestly, like being hit in the face <laughs> by just like an invisible truck.
1: It was wow, fucking brilliant. Oh man, there's quite a few people who do say that uh, they've seen Mogwai. They have come away feeling a bit nauseous afterwards.
0: I, I went, and, I went and saw Mogwai uh, about three times in one week, and mm. I don't think my hearing has ever recovered. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, off the top of my head, just having a quick think. I would go for, one of my favourites would be uh, Smashing Pumpkins Soma, I think it is. Oh, yes. uh, Of Siamese Dream, where it starts off so gentle, but then that just, it crashes in. And they do that really well. They do it with Rhinoceros, they do it with uh, Drown. And I think they've got a, a good knack of lulling you in and then just putting the boot down.
0: Wicked. Yeah. Excellent. But there
1: you go. So number 10 for me is Dirty. And the other thing we are going to be doing as we go through this is we're going to be creating a playlist of uh, tracks from each of the albums that we talk about and so if I've got to choose one off this to be a, either representative or just my favourite or whatever it is I'm going to go with Sugarcane Okay uh, uh, I think uh, of the singles it's possibly not my favourite because I really like the, the real grittiness of 100% mm-hmm. but I think it's a beautiful song um, it's got a really good central riff to it and stand, stands up really well today if, if someone you went, oh, look, should I be listening to this album? I would go, I don't know, have a listen to this one and see what you think. That's what I would I would go with. Perfect. So I'm going to right. do that one, mate. Wonderful.
0: Okay, so look, now my number 10 album. Yes, yes. Uh, I know that you've got higher in your
1: list. Oh, right, yes. Now, this is true. There are a few that we're going to talk about that we both have yeah. in different positions. Yes. Yeah. So, so, um,
0: so basically my 10th uh, is REM, Automatic for the People. Uh-huh. We'll talk about that. Whenever in, I get to whenever it. Whenever you get to it, yeah. And some yeah, of you might be a bit con, uh, confused why it's so low on my list, given the fact we did a full episode on it. Mm-hmm.
1: But I'll explain that when we get there. Absolutely fine. Okay. So, in that case, that's your number 10. So, let's do your number nine instead. Okay. Then. So, my number nine yes. is
0: uh, Caius, Blues for the
1: Red Sun. Right. Okay. Oh, man. My God.
0: Now, now, this album, from the low opening kind of eerie noises that you get on thumb, mm-hmm. all the way through to that last kind of cheeky breath of yeah, mm-hmm. where You've got a four-track sort of a four-second track which is just someone going, Yeah uh, you just kind of get to feel rock getting reinvented, really, rewritten as it right. goes through. It's right. you know, it's in the middle of the grunge era. It kind of wasn't it didn't get the attention it deserved at the time it because didn't really get, of it.
1: But as as far as I'm aware, and I was reading music, I wasn't reading Kerrang, fair enough, but I was yeah. reading music press in general. And I don't remember it getting talked about.
0: It was talked about in certain circles. It, yeah. it kind of it had a, a a very. I mean, I didn't I didn't get into Caius in 1992. I'm not no, gonna no lie fair enough. Yeah. I got into Caius quite a bit later. Yeah, but it was being. It it, it was something you hadn't heard before. You had these kind of stony, grizzly sounds. It was mm-hmm. kind of bass music for rockers. Mm-hmm. Is the kind of way I looked at it. Took taking obviously, you know, notes from Sabbath and all of those kind of riffy bits Definitely of the past. That, yeah, sure. Obviously, you know, there's other bands doing similar things, you know, got corrosion conformity out there doing bits, Monster, Monster Magnet. Magnet yeah. yeah. Um, but it sounded different. All of a sudden you got in Josh Hom a different kind of virtuoso. Right. Where it's not all about kind of Eddie Van Halen kind of fretboard, it's all about just the kind of the that robot kind of robotic dropping into a groove and that's like a locked groove thing isn't it yeah it's all about groove mm. and you know it kind of made my head nod in that same way that all of my favourite music does but you know that, that's fundamental to all music that I love is groove really Okay, you know not not all of it I mean I do like, like a you, bit you of fucking weird rock and stuff and but like, yeah. yeah but stuff just dropping into that fucking groove and holding it and you know oh, I, I mean it's a joy I, I mean think. everyone in this band plays great you know I mean, I, I understand there's a lot of people that don't like uh, John Garcia's voice. I am not all in right. that camp at all. Yeah. Uh, I fucking really love it. I think it's a great uh, rock and roll voice. Oh, and it sits
1: beautifully in those songs, doesn't
0: absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest with you, because everything is so kind of bass-heavy and gravelly and kind of just kind of fuzzy, and f- mm-hmm. you need a voice with a little bit of that kind of top, en- top end and the kind of... Right, okay. <laughs> you, you need some of that stuff to kind of to make the songs uh you know kind of hold together uh, i i think this is a, an absolutely brilliant band and this
1: was their first album it? this was their this is their first first yeah, is their album introduction to chaos really this one was yeah, exactly and i from and you're, I'm the exact same I didn't know about this at the time but it was only years later I was like oh shit right and going back fucking what a debut album oh my god you know, to come out with this yes you like you say they've got some EPs and stuff that they did and bits and bobs have you seen that documentary by the way on Netflix maybe about, yes it doesn't sound one yeah and it shows like how they were in just the middle of the scene and they were just releasing bits and bobs and doing more live stuff than anything else yeah. jamming really but to come out with this as their first album I think it's a
0: real statement. Yeah, absolutely. This is the sound of a band in the middle of buttfuck nowhere, mm-hmm. like kind of coming up with a sound for them and their friends to enjoy. And yeah, fuck me. Well, and then. Off it,
1: their face on yeah, the worst sort of uh, homemade drugs you can find. Exactly. Yeah. I, look,
0: man. Brilliant, brilliant band. This uh, this yep. album. This album for me is not an album of singles. It's an album that I will generally put on and play from start to finish.
1: Okay, yeah. To the
0: point where it's like, if you ask me at any point during this album, what song's playing, probably couldn't tell you. Oh, I see. Other, other than a couple of tracks, because it's and it all is of a similar quality mm-hmm. generally. Uh, so picking a track is more difficult. Fine. Than, uh, I mean, but I'm just going to go with the opening
1: track. Thumb. Thumb. Oh, I- Good, because that's my favourite on yeah. the album. I it think it's fucking great. Well, I mean, look, I'm
0: just going from...
1: I mean, if
0: the re... Because I love Green Machine as well. Green Machine yeah. would have been my other yeah, choice. Yeah, yeah. But it's just for the opening lyric. You <laughs> don't seem to understand the deal. I don't give two shits on how you feel. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> fucking fantastic. Fucking
1: brilliant. Yeah. But, but also that uh, really slow, like you said, the slow opening. And you got that just coming in and building and building yeah. a little bit. And it just boom, boom, boom. Straight, it's fucking brilliant. Whenever we saw uh, Kaya's Lives, obviously the, the sort of not quite original lineup at Download that year. Yeah. Whenever they played Thumb, I was. I, as soon as that bass, bass line started, like started, oh god, they're going to play it! Fucking stunning.
0: Shout out to our friend Steve uh, Moyle, who's it's one of his favourite bands, and he was too hungover <laughs> to make it to the show on that day.
1: <laughs> that's a similar story to whenever that reading, whenever I couldn't go and see Andrew WK. Yes, indeed. Because I couldn't
2: move. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay, okay. So that's
1: your number nine, and that's also fe- features in a few of our listeners' choices as well. We've got uh, Miss Disorder Lee has got it in in her chart. Uh, the 1,000 albums uh, from Twitter, he's, he's got it in his. Definitely one of those ones that is a band and an album that I think you'll always hear people who love rock music, especially go, yeah, fair enough. That was that was a seminal album.
0: And you know, in a, in a very Alan Partridge way, I will say that Caius they're only the band that Queens of the
1: Stone Age <laughs> could have been. <laughs> the classic. Well, our first guest to uh, talk about their choice of an album for 1992 is the one and only Mr. Andy Copping, the man behind Download Festival, uh, and he also was on our Rage Against the Machine episode telling us about his thoughts about the band. He has come back, we got uh, in touch with him over Zoom, and he's given us his opinion of what he reckons the best album of 92 was. Now, we did have a good long chat with Andy about this, You're about to hear a very edited version of that um, to give a brief overview, but I'm going to put the full chat that we had at the very end of this episode if you want to hear more of his thoughts about what was going on in that year. Andy, thank you for coming on again, mate.
2: No, it's absolute pleasure.
1: We are talking about a lot of different albums on this one, um, but you must have some that stand out to you.
2: Oh, no, I mean, there's a, you know, a number of uh, great albums that came out um, in, in that period. And I was having to pick one was tough. There's so many good albums like that year. But actually, my favorite from uh, 1992 is Vulgar Display of Power Ooh. by
1: Pantera. Oh, my goodness.
2: Wow. An absolute oh, come on. beast of a record. Isn't
1: it? Uh, fucking hell.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and obviously Pantera... Uh, They'd come from that whole hairspray, uh, glam rock. And then when Cowboys from Hell came out, it was like, ah, this is what the band are all about. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's such a great record that yeah. was. But for me, vulgar display of power, yeah, even from the album cover, you knew straight away what the intention was with that, with uh, with that record.
1: Oh, there is no fucking about it. It's oh, straight in.
2: Absolutely. I mean, opening with uh, Mouth of War. Totally, totally full on. Yep. Um, and then the track for me uh, really, really had an effect on me was fucking hostile. It sounded like really early Metallica, so fast. And obviously, the l- l- lyrical content, yeah, um, says it all. Phil just spitting out that vial with a fucking hostile. <laughs> yes. And he's like, oh you're like Wait, waiting for it to come. <laughs> um, just, just amazing amazing record
0: okay so uh, what's your number nine then mr krista
1: my number nine and this is definitely one that i played to death at the time it is l7's bricks are heavy oh um, yeah uh, i loved this at the time it was i think i'd obviously heard pretend we're dead maybe everglade as well i was like yeah i want to hear the rest of this album because those are brilliant, big rock riffs, just sneering vocals, wonderful stuff. And so I bought the album as soon as I could, and I think it is such a strong start-to-finish record.
0: Do you know what? I, I do not disagree with you. This mm. was on my honourable mentions. It, right, yes. It kind of fell just outside in my process of elimination. Yep. You know, I played this record to death. I appreciate mm. Okay that on a technical level, it's pretty basic. Of course it is. But it's a record where people are having an enormous amount of fun, and it rocks like a fucking bastard. It really
1: does. It just kicks you in the balls. Yeah. It's yeah. just, you know, Pretend You're Dead, uh, Everglade. Monster. Monster. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Shitlist. Shitlist. Absolutely brilliant. I mean,
0: think about Shitlist in Natural Born Killers.
1: How good is that? <laughs> it's worth so well. And yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. This is not a kind of a, a diverse and multi-platformed album. They have a sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they've done that, they've worked out what they want to sound like, and that's what happens. But every single song on this is quality in the terms of oh yeah, I really like this. It's a it's a good stomper. This is up my street. It's not big and it's not clever, yeah. but like you say, it's a lot of fun, it's really effective in what it does. I think the quality of the songs carries it through from what could be a one-dimensional album, yeah. but it's not. It is good enough. I think there's enough going on to make it stand the test of time.
0: And I, I loved the shit they were getting up to around oh, this time. I loved the, the, the antics. Yeah, I loved the throwing the tampon at the fr- the the, the, uh, the fan in uh, Reading. in. Redding, in 2, yeah, uh, dropping the pants and I mean on the word a very very well unkempt beaver uh, <laughs> on the word. Yep. I, I loved all of that shit, man. That I was mean, hilarious. I, you know, literally one of my all-time biggest gig regrets uh, was not going to see Faith No More on Angel Dust supported by L7.
1: Imagine that. I think that
0: would have been one hell of a show.
1: Imagine that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I would love to have been backstage at that sort of stuff, because if that's what they did on telly or on stage... They must have been absolute party monsters behind the scenes. Uh, you
0: never know, man. Sometimes sometimes, Maybe, sometimes, Dr Showbiz
1: kicks in. Well, and you do some crazy things that's with an audience. True. That is true.
0: And then you go back and you read a book quietly backstage.
1: Yes, sipping on a brandy. Sipping on a, br- or, a or a cup of tea. Well, yeah. Uh, but I listened to this um, in full again uh, for the first time in a long time. I listened to it in full for this just, just to make sure that I wasn't misremembering it and rose-tinted glasses and all yeah. that stuff. It's still brilliant. It's still really good, and it still kicks ours. Well, they it were a lot lives. of
0: fun when we saw them at Download a few years ago. Weren't they? Brilliant, yeah. They yeah. Really I, mean, brilliant. I, I listened to that album then when we came back. But yeah, yeah, okay. I, I mean, we we don't have any takers in our in our lists, so people aren't. No, I think
1: heathens. I think maybe Sy Sharp had it in his top thirty that he sent us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, fuck off, sorry. You can't have thirty songs, <laughs> but he was never going to stop at five. That's that's true. Um, no, maybe it didn't make a lot of other people's top fives. Because there is an absolute plethora of albums to choose from, yeah. but it didn't make my top five either, so I can't argue with that. Okay, so... so um, song-wise... Song-wise, what are you going to go with? I'm yeah. going to go... I'm, I've decided on Shitlist.
0: Shitlist? Yeah. Nice.
1: Yeah. There, I probably would have gone for something like Monster or Everglade for the classic dance floor anthem mm-hmm. ones, but Shitlist is just too much fun. Yeah, I great. can't say no.
0: I get mad I write on
1: a list yeah brilliant so that's going in that's my number nine number
0: nine okay so uh, into my number eight
1: uh huh what do you
0: got I'm gonna this is uh, my first uh, Hip-Hop Choice.
1: Oh, right.
0: 92 uh, is pretty good year for hip-hop, albeit at the end of the year this one came out. It was very
1: kind of weighted towards that last month almost. Some Indeed, of it. and mm. this is
0: one of those records. This is um, Ice Cube's The Predator.
1: Ah, okay. Now,
0: and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to caveat this with saying that this was very nearly a Bizarre Ride to the Far Side. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. And I listened to both these records mm-hmm. back to back, and I love Bizarre Ride to the Far Side. I, yeah. Uh, in any other year, it would definitely be in my top ten. Oh, it's, it's
1: in my all-star rounds for this year. Yeah, I, I feel
0: very sad it's not in my top ten. It's brilliant. It exhibits a type of wordplay, fun hip-hop that mm-hmm. uh, that I really, really love. Um, my only
1: argument is it's dated
0: a little bit more than the album I've chosen, which is Ice Cube's The Predator.
1: Okay, right. I see. Um, I think we have mentioned many times on, on this podcast for regular listeners you are a much bigger fan of this album than I am. Yes. We both love Ice Cube yes. in this era, but I would go with a different album of his career as better than this. But you think Predator is his best yeah, album? I, I think
0: this is. I think this is definitively Ice Cube's uh, best solo album mm-hmm. in my eyes. Um, I, I understand the arguments for the slightly more abrasive Bomb Squad produced stuff. Yeah, but this. Ice Cube is at heart a West Coast artist, and this is a West Coast sounding record produced by DJ Pooh, Mugs, Sir Jinx. Right. And the thing I think that I like most about this album is its immediacy. This came out uh, a couple of months after the LA riots uh, Mm in 92. It was the first record by a big artist that really straight up addressed it and right. you know let's remember it's easy to think of ice cube as an actor and things these days
1: or at least someone who stars in movies well okay
0: <laughs> but you yeah, know, it's it, it, it's it's easy to remember that and, and and you know that has kind of diluted the firebrand nature of his brand a sure, little yeah. bit but you know you've got to remember at the time this is ice cube coming out with his really controversial kind of headline-grabbing stuff, kind of saying what he means and blah, 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 right. being accused of anti-Semitism, being accused of being against the uh, the Korean community. And this is his record where he basically came out, addressed that stuff and said, fuck you. Right. Uh, rightly or wrongly, I'm not arguing that the fucking politics of this uh, are right or wrong, but he did have some insight into the riots and it, it felt very kind of like... It, you know, in a day before social media, it felt like you were getting information from the horse's he mouth. Was Twitter at that point. Exactly, man, right, exactly. Sure. I mean, it also has three of his best singles on it from a pop perspective. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, uh, you've got... You got uh, Check yourself with a uh, with a Dice FX Bex, on it. Uh-huh. It's got It Was a Good Day, which is uh, one of his, the most well known, yeah. Singles. I mean, it's his biggest selling singles, his most yeah. commercially successful track. No, makes sense. Um, and Wicked as well, which was the third single off this record, which I have got an enormous,
1: I think, soft Wicked spot is, is brilliant. It's a but great I
0: like this record, it's you know, it's uh. It's kind of got that West Coast funky sound to it, uh, yeah. You know, so if you're listening, you know, on the last spe- the hip hop special we did last year, we talked about WC and the Mad Circle. Mm-hmm. Certainly, that you know, it's got that kind of influence and that kind of you see sound. that
1: coming really to the fore. Yeah. So,
0: and uh, you know, okay. l- lyrically he is on point. He's brutal on this, and he's, you know, it's easy to forget just how fucking good Ice Cube was in his day. Oh, uh, yeah. Sure. His voice is as good as it ever sounds on this record. He is as unapologetic and as Ice Cube as he ever was. Yeah. And for me, it's the definitive Ice Cube work. It's not the most critically acclaimed one. A lot of the critics are with you on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's his most commercially successful record. Is it?
1: Yeah. Right. Okay, I can see that because for me, the reason one of the reasons that I don't think this is his best is because it is a bit more what I would call pop. Uh, I think it's going towards the... The pop hip hop that we would see through the mid nineties and onwards, really. Uh, and I do prefer, like you said, the bomb squad production, the, the harsher, sure. angrier production. Yeah, I, I like that. End well,
0: I course. mean, I've I've got a lot of love for that kind of laid back kind of G funky sound. I, yeah. I, I, you know, and I think that you know that's that's probably the the the, the vision point. I I do really
1: love that. No, sound I, you're absolutely of right. To me. And because uh, you did say that you were thinking of having this in your top ten. Yeah. Uh, I went back and I listened to this a couple of days ago again start yep. to finish and I haven't changed my mind on it yeah, I yeah. still I, did, I don't I did get on the with same it.
0: thing because we disagreed the other day on the <laughs> podcast I listened literally back to back to America's most wanted and the predator uh-huh. and I went yeah and look I love America's most wanted yeah. and my I, I'm not it's you know I, the, the only one of the of this first era of records I've got a bit of a problem with his death certificate, okay, um, which is well documented on this podcast. Uh, but yeah, I I
1: really like records. So um, fair play. All right, so that's your number eight, was it? Yeah, yeah. So and for, you're going for what choice?
0: Uh, I'm gonna go with. I, I mean, I could have choose, chosen one of the singles, but I wanted to go for something that people weren't necessarily going to have heard. So I'm going for now. I got a wetcher. Oh my right? god, really? Uh, and yeah, I think it's a fucking great tune. <laughs> it's got a big sample in it, and it's also. <laughs> Uh, the first recorded use of It's On Like Donkey Kong which <laughs> became um, a, a pop cultural sensation and was controversially copyrighted by Nintendo to, prov- uh, to promote uh, Donkey Kong Country on the N64. Is that right? Yeah, well, oh, well, well. To be honest with you, I know that from Wikipedia so no, yeah, nice know, it. it might be bullshit. But <laughs>
1: That's good. I like that. I'm going to take that as a fact. I love
0: it. Yeah, yeah. But now Bye. I've got a wet shirt That's, and it starts off with that weird skit and goes, you won, motherfucker. Yeah. What's that? The wet t-shirt contest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> fine. Okay. First track on this
0: as well, man. that thing with that sample, stomping, walking in my bloody black boots—that's mm. fucking brilliant,
1: man. There's a couple of good tunes. It's just too West Coast for me. We can disagree on things, because, exactly. I mean, you know, you can be wrong. It's fine. Right. Uh, right. So that's your number eight. eight. So your number seven. Am is my number seven? Uh, but well, so we've just seen our first hip hop entry into the, our our lists. Mine is kind of hip-hop. It's it's a mixture, because I've gone for the brand-new Heavies with Heavy Rhyme Experience Uh, at number eight. Again, which we have referenced a few times uh, along the way in the podcast. I know that we are both fans of the album. Yeah, in my long list, for sure. Yeah, excellent stuff. And so for anyone who doesn't know it and has gone, the fuck are you talking about brand-new Heavies doing hip-hop? This was an album where the brand-new Heavies did the backing that did all the live instrumentation for 10 songs, and they had 10 different MCs or uh, groups of MCs yeah. on each one doing uh, their rhymes over the top. And I think it works so well. The instrumentation is some of the kind of the funkiest, crispest, loveliest uh, beats going on. You know, you can tell the live bass, the live guitar, live drums. You really can feel it all. And it sounds like. Just the the best amount of friends in a studio jamming out, doing a maybe not freestyle because it's obviously not freestyle, but it sounds like the same atmosphere as you would get just having a laugh. Yeah. Um. So it's got a few MCs that you probably have heard of. It's got you know uh, Guru from Gangstar. It's got Master Ace. It's got uh, Cool G Rap. But then it also has some people I've never heard of. Like you know, not i probably haven't heard of since like Jawalski and this sort of thing. Yeah, When it works, I think it is absolutely sublime. I think it is one of these things that you could almost go, is a bit coffee table hip-hop, but I don't think it falls into the trap of being bland.
0: No, I mean, I, I think what it comes down to is they chose good people. Uh-huh. They, you know they didn't work with uh, the, the people that were doing the number one hits of the day. No, absolutely. That they, 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 they dug into the underground because you know yeah. they, they had like, Grand Pooh on there from Brand yes. Nubian. Yeah, they got uh, like I said, they got Gangstar on there. They got Black Sheep are on there. Black
1: Sheep do a track, absolutely. Yeah, Farsider on there. Yeah, they do the last one on there exactly. So it's really good, interesting MCs. Yeah, but. Essentially, it's it's more like a party album. Yeah. Um. It's not them being overly serious. It's not gangster at all. Even maybe Cool G Rap does a bit of that. But in terms of what they're doing, Guru's track is getting hectic. It's getting crazy. It's getting wild. It's just yeah. fun. It's having a good time. And I always... Uh, this used to be one of the ones that I would recommend to people whenever I worked at HMV. Yes, indeed. Because... I don't think enough people knew about it at all.
0: Yeah, I think that's where I heard about it. I don't, right. yeah. I knew one of the tracks from a uh, cover done by the new metal band, The Urge. Well, they're not really a new metal
1: band. Oh, right, but, yes, uh, they uh, did.
0: And, yeah, I kind of went back and found it from there. And mm. I, I think probably because I found it later is probably why it's not on this list. Fair, enough. Fair uh, enough. You know, I, I never
1: destroyed this album, but I do really, really, really like it. Gotcha. If you are into hip-hop at all, I think there's going to be something in there for you. Yeah. If you're in early 90s hip hop, if you're in the fucking nothing, you know, before 2015, don't worry about it. But if you're in early 90s hip hop, I think you're going to get something out of this yeah. album. I mean,
0: it's it's definitely an album full of wordsmiths, people mm-hmm. who are word technicians. It's it's a lyricist's album, but with really, really great heavy grooves behind Precisely.
1: it. Precisely. And this is, uh, I, I'm sad that Brand New heavies. A, didn't do another album like this. I think they could have done another well,
0: one. Because it's, it's not just called Heavy Rhyme Experience, it's called Heavy Rhyme Ex- Fucking hell, I can't say it. Heavy Rhyme Experience Volume 1.
1: Indeed, yeah. Implying that it yeah. should be, but it never happened. Um, and I'm also sad that they did seem to go down a more... Just saccharin pop root after that.
0: I mean, but that's where the money is. We could do we could do a whole episode on issues with the acid jazz movement. I'm sure.
1: Well, we are going to have a Jimi episode in oh, season yes, four. We
0: are. So we, we can talk about indeed. all of that then.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh dear
1: right okay. okay
0: so that was uh, what, what track are you gonna go with
1: uh, uh, right i was between a few because i love the the guru track yeah i think it's brilliant uh, but i'm gonna go with the opening track which is bona fide funk featuring main source nice because i think it's a great opener it builds it comes it fades in you know yeah. and it just fades in like you're, you've you opened the door into this party yes. and you're just arriving You like, oh wicked this is going on and then boof, you're in it's really nice.
0: Much like the intro to Gin and Juice by Sleep Dogg. Does
1: it? This way. It's, it's it. pouring of a cup,
0: so
2: feel I see, yeah.
0: But anyway, um, cool. all right, so out of interest, so what is your main source?
1: My main source? Yeah, what would you put on your chips most often? Uh, I go for Heinz ketchup. Heinz ketchup, I'm, one. I I see that's an entire lie. I go for whatever knockoff brand is cheaper than Heinz ketchup.
0: Oh, my God, you, you're not even prepared to go the full hog for...
1: It's uh, like half the price for a, a Tesco woman brand. Oh, it's shit though. It's absolutely fine. No, it's, you're an idiot. But
0: my, <laughs> my, my main sauce is, uh, I would say at the minute, probably a Louisiana brand uh, hot sauce. Okay. I bought a massive bottle of it when I'm in the States because they used to sell it over here and yeah. they don't
1: anymore. And it's
0: my favourite tasting hot sauce.
1: Uh, on a scale of one to ridiculous, how hot are we talking? Oh, about?
0: it's 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 like a kind of it's slightly hotter than Tabasco, so it's a okay. it's a you know it's a it's a kick. But no, I mean, it's a, it's a an twins. everyday hot sauce. It's how you make stuff taste like it's like, like it's food. <laughs>
1: You you would accuse me of having too bland a palate. I say you've killed your palate, and you have to have something that hurts to make you feel anything.
0: Well, I mean, I mean, one of those. The the, the truth lies somewhere in the middle yeah, of true. that.
1: To be honest That's with you. Fair.
0: But um, yeah, I actually just made some hot sauce this week. This is of no interest to the uh-huh. podcast. But I made some hot sauce out. of out, I mentioned Steve earlier. He gave me some chilies that he'd grown. Oh yes. Oh, I've turned them into a hot sauce, and they're fucking
1: lovely. Good man. Do you want have to you try po- some? No. Uh, <laughs> have you come up with a name for this hot sauce because you can't have dave's dave's hot sauce is taken. no i just call it um the hot sauce that i made <laughs> the fucking the bollock burner or something no
0: I, i'm not i'm not i don't need any of that shit i don't you know i put my money where my mouth is and my mouth is where the hot sauce is it is indeed okay. i don't know what i'm
1: talking about anyway right, right so okay so that's that's my one done Our next special guest is the stand-up comic and podcaster Supreme Rich Wilson. Uh, if you don't know Rich yet, he is a brilliant comedian, and he also runs the Insane in the Men Brain and also the Insane in the Fem Brain podcast, which are well worth checking out. Uh, follow him on Twitter at I am Rich Wilson. He is also a uh, another man of kind of our vintage uh, with similar tastes. He knows a lot about music. You know, he runs a radio show as well. One of his dream jobs would be to work in a record shop. You know, he's that kind of guy. He's one of us. So uh, thanks again to him for helping us out and letting us know what his favourite album of 1992
3: was. Rich Wilson here. My most favourite album of 1992 would be The Black Crows, the Southern Harmony and Musical Companion. Mm -hmm. Just a banging album from start to finish. I think I've got it on clear vinyl. Oh yeah, I'm that much of a ledge and I, think I saw them as well, I saw them around about that time with The Verve supporting at Brixton what a gig, what a gig, what an album um, and they're just cool, Black Crows are just so cool um, and that album for me uh, is the perfect soundtrack to uh, 1992 absolutely first class, from, from cover to final song I think it's the one, I and mean, it's difficult to pick a favourite album from that time I was a massive InXS fan as well, still am Michael Hutchins, one of the sexiest men alive. was. <laughs> R.I.P. Michael. Um, yeah, The Black Crowes, Southern Harmony and Musical Companion. That's for me.
1: Uh, right. Next one for you. Is this your number eight we're doing? This is my number seven. Seven, right, go for so it.
0: So my number seven, uh, you just mentioned uh, Guru and Gangstar. I did. And my number seven is Gangstar's Daily Operation.
1: Right, yes, yes, yes. This was one of their... Uh, big, not breakthrough albums, but this is one of the ones where they first really got noticed, wasn't it?
0: Yes, I would say so. I mean, look, for me, this isn't the greatest Gangstar album. Sure. Guru is occasionally a little bit clunky in some of his delivery. He hasn't quite, like in every track, got the completely uh, laid-back flow that that he got. But Mm -hmm. what it is is it's the sound of one of the greatest crews of all time find in their sound and when they hit it and everything all clicks it's just fucking unimpeachable, man. Right. It's like, you know, there's, there's so much stuff on here. You know, you've got like, I'm the man, where he's got uh, the dude from group home and you kind of introduces the world to J.Ru the damager. Mm-hmm. Like, J.Ru just come. I mean, it's a brave, you're brave to let J.Ru feature on your track. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you know yeah. J. fell off pretty badly, yourself. but fuck me, when J.Ru was good, he was Oh, well, back at insane. this era. Yeah, so that was on that mm-hmm. cut on the man. You got a variety of brilliant tracks. Mm-hmm. on here um dj Premier's production sound is it's kind of the defining sound of my favorite era of hip-hop if you if you ask me to pick my favorite hip-hop producer of all time it would be dj Premier. yeah uh yeah because this kind of new york underground sound like before hip-hop really 100 percent broke the mainstream, where it was where they were kind of fighters of a battle that they could almost tell they were losing which was for the heart and soul of mm, hip hop okay? sure um you know stopping hip hop becoming over, overly commercialized stopping hip hop becoming all about money bec- stopping hip hop being about a thug mentality sure. being about this is the situation with the streets this is how you get wise and pull yourself out of it you know kind of it was a, a very kind of conscious thing but it still had a Foot in the streets, it still felt like you wouldn't want to fuck with anyone in Gangstar.
1: No, no definitely, it, it wasn't a violent gangster album, no, but it was definitely still that they, they knew what they were talking about. They yeah. were a genuine article,
0: it was a hustler's album, yeah, and sure. you know, the Primo, who, as I say, is probably my favorite. Uh, a fan, just a brilliant time.
1: production, yeah. you know.
0: I mean, guys, amazing
1: DJ scratching and oh my God, so on point, so so good.
0: Uh, and then Guru is in any conversation you're having about the all-time greatest MCs. Yep. Guru needs to be in that chat, and I've, yeah. I find so many times now he's not in the conversation anymore. And shouldn't have died. Well, he shouldn't have yeah. fucking died. Well, that is correct. Indeed, definitely shouldn't have. But uh, yeah, fucking rest in peace, Guru. But you yeah. know, uh, Guru is as good an MC as anyone in your fucking. Top list. He might not Incredible. always have the the show off technical chops, but in terms of uh, word placement, in terms of turn of phrase, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, soliloquy of chaos. What a fucking track name that is!
1: Oh yeah, but also just his delivery and his style. The man has a voice to die for. Oh my god, he really does. Just one of the smoothest. Gorgeous his voice in hip hop, and you know
0: he can move between subject matter as well. You know whether he's talking about interpersonal relationships, or he's talking about politics, or yeah. he's talking about street game stuff. There's an authority in his voice. You, he always feel in the same way you do with Chuck D that he knows what he's talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah, uh, and he's definitely off that school of MCs. You know, whereas Chuck D kind of brings the righteous fury. Guru just always felt like he was bringing you know the truth, the, the play, knowledge, the inside scoop, the skinny yeah. man. The skinny he's bringing
1: skinny, a skinny. Please, skinny fair play man okay so uh, did you have this album at the time and did you love it at the time or was it like afterwards
0: no i probably had this album maybe uh i mean i think i, I saw them live at red in 94 yeah and that's probably when i started picking up albums gotcha okay okay yeah, i was aware of them but i wasn't you know but again it's yeah i
1: mean i think um i bought love sick as a single yeah um because i'd heard that on some stuff that was really my first uh, anything to do with gangstar yeah. but i didn't buy an album from them till i'd say late 90s i didn't have an actual album of theirs sure i just heard bits and pieces there i'd heard the, the big singles but uh, i hadn't checked out a full album for Long time afterwards. Okay, cool. Uh, and you're gonna to have to choose one track to go into the playlist What are you gonna choose?
0: Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with Soliloquy of Chaos first of all yeah. because it's it's probably I think the album's tracked a little bit badly. It does. It starts off with a couple of weaker tracks, but then Soliloquy of Chaos comes in. It's got that really Hitchcock sounding Mm -hmm. ascending chord
3: Mm -hmm.
0: uh, sequence right and it's just a fucking brilliant brilliant beat it's the thing that premiere does best and the thing that guru does best it's just an absolute standout track
1: well when it comes to finding beats and finding turning something that you wouldn't expect to make a good beat into a brilliant beat premiere is is one of the absolute all-time greatest at that. Because if, if you go through whosampled.com and look up some of the stuff that uh, Premiere uses yep. and you hear the original, you're like, what the f- where did he get that from? Yeah, exactly. How did he think of that? And yeah, he, he takes the nicest bits and flips it and bam, it away. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Uh, cool.
0: Not a lot of love uh, for this record coming out of
1: our... Uh, uh, our listeners... No, but uh, I mean, again, these groups. are the top five, so yeah. let, let's pr- say that they all would have had it in their top tens. Yeah, exactly. Because they've got taste.
0: And look, you know, I mean, I'm I'm well aware that our listenership possibly doesn't skew quite as hip-hoppy as we do at nope, times. Not that's very possible, too. Uh, but yeah, g- Gangstar are fantastically... Uh, important group to me and yeah Yeah. uh, again in any other year that wasn't as strong
1: as this it would have been higher on the list right sure I mean we do have a few people who had the Farside album in their top five yes so uh, maybe that is a more accessible something I'm not sure well it had that
0: indie crossover it 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 had it had that you know it's a great record I love it I'm amazed it's not in my top 10 but I really really
1: did listen to the got to make tough choices for You have. you know we are the arbiters of taste, and we've got to make these choices. I'm sorry, people. We didn't ask for this responsibility. We didn't. No. It's I mean, been we did. Thrust into us.
0: Yes. Thrust into us. You heard.
1: Unto us. You heard. What are
0: you thrusting into me?
1: Responsibility. That
0: what you call it? With
1: great thrusting comes great responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> and anal soreness. <laughs> <laughs> Stop
0: thrusting into me. <laughs>
1: By the way, if anyone can hear some weird noises, um, Waffles has started snoring under my chair. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks, Waffles. All right, so that's your one done. In that case, I'm going to go on to my number seven. And this one is one that is entirely really for me. And I thought twice about putting it in because it's not anything we've talked about before. It's not anything that a lot of our listeners will really know. But I cannot deny how much I love it. So, if, I, if I'm if i being honest, it's, it's one of my top 10 records of the year. Um, and so, Loudon Wainwright III released History in 1992. Loudon Wainwright III is one of my favourite artists of all time. Indeed. I have mentioned him definitely. I think he is absolute genius and is one of the people that's going to be really fucking annoying that when he dies, people are going to call him a genius yeah. after the fact. I think he's going to be lauded as one of the great songwriters of the 20th century. But... Such is life. This album uh, came out in 92 and I was aware of Blind Men Right in general back then because it was a favourite in our household, and our family. And so I was hearing the stuff that he put out in the 80s because his first album was like 1970 or 69. He's got about 30 albums out. Okay. And so I was aware of him, but I didn't hear this full album until years later whenever I just started going back and actually buying all of the full albums. Okay. This is one of his best. This is... uh, just brilliant it was written after the death of his father and so a lot of the songs are about death and grief and family and relationships but in fairness pretty much all of his albums are that's what he does he writes very honest and stark and brutally horrible about himself at times songs about how you know shitty life can be at times and how much you have to just get through But he also writes some brilliantly humorous songs, really funny stuff. And this is one of those ones where it's got both of those on there. And again, what is important for me is that all the songs, I think, are really good. Uh, It's Style-wise, it's not what you're going to expect, especially in the chart like this. It goes from a bit of folk to a bit of almost country stuff, a bit of uh, acoustic singer-songwriter. All across that, it doesn't go any further than those sort of bits, And in tone, it's from humorous, like I say. There's songs called... There's one, I'd Rather Be Lonely, which is about when his daughter had to come and stay with him. Right. And he just wrote, this is fucking dreadful. Right. I would rather be lonely. (laughs) 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 And uh, and his daughter being Martha Wainwright. Right. But he also wrote a song about her called Hitting You, which is a memory of when he smacked her in the back of his car one time because she was being bad and instantly regretted it and is saying, I am so sorry, I can't believe I did that, that's the worst thing I've ever done Right? it's like, fucking hell mate, that's something you don't usually hear a song written about and then there's other ones about his dad who had just died, there's one called Sometimes I Forget, which is one of the most beautifully poignant songs I know especially one about death but it's uplifting at the end In but I'll always have the good stuff the good memories, but he's fucking hard going at times but I am a sucker for a miserable song. Sometimes you I are. really am. Um, so that's why I put this one. I put it at number seven because I think that's fair. I have listened to this many, many, many times over and over and over, and I think it still stands up. Uh, if if anyone is interested in going to listening to any of his albums, I would start with this one for sure. It's a good one to go into, um, but be prepared for an awful lot of misery with a couple of funny ones in between. Fair enough. But that's what he does. Um, I find out just in looking up uh, some details on this one, apparently, and I don't know whether this is apocryphal or not, but apparently both Bruce Springsteen and Bob Geldof named this as their album of the year in 92. Wow,
0: okay. I mean, I'm going to shamefully... I've got very little to contribute here because I've, no, this is I, not a record I've ever heard. No,
1: no, and very few people will. I think this is very niche for me, and that's why I was hesitant about putting it in. No, no, no. I, this I, is exactly
0: why you should put it in.
1: I th- uh, precisely. I had uh, in one of my other you know, drafts of this list. I had Therapy's "Pleasure Death." Yeah. Because fucking loved that at the time. Six songs, mini album, brutal, just hard. Heavy, Brilliant, 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 brilliant. But then I thought about, okay, how I listen to that as much? You know, does it mean as much to me these days? Do I think it's it's good now? All those sorts of things. And I had to go, no, this is a better album. So which track are you choosing? Right, so I'm going to choose, I've gone for uh, one Sometimes I Forget, which is, like I say, about his father dying, in the hopes that if anyone does listen to it, you know, if anyone does have a dabble in this playlist we're putting towards it. It's some of his best songwriting. It's some of his most heartfelt work. It's a really good tune as well, but it gives a flavour of how good he is with evoking an emotion without being mawkish or sappy. It's just, oh yeah, now that is... It's it's got lines in it about... how can you be dead your suitcase is still there in a the hall uh your, your wallet is still on the side table this this can't be i don't want to go out to eat because the waiters are asked where are you and I, I don't have to deal with it that sort of thing so it's just oh fucking hell the the, the way his mind works is how i would probably be anyway sometimes i forget is a song um i hope anyone likes it it's beautifully done our last guests on this part to uh, discuss their choices are our good friends Carla and Zoe over at Number One Rerun Podcast which is another podcast looking back at kind of pop culture from years gone by in fact if you get in contact with them and give them a date that's special to you they will do a show all about that date what was number one what was on telly what was in the cinemas etc so get in contact you can follow them on Twitter at Number One Rerun and thanks again to them for getting in contact (laughs)
4: Hello Dave, Krista and Waffles the Dog We are Number One Rerun I'm Carla and this is Zoe Hello And we are here to tell you what our best album of 1992 was Can I go first? Please do So when Dave and Krista asked us to look into this I did a quick Google and it took me a second to decide on mine, was Keep the Faith by Bon Jovi. That album was my misspent youth. I do like the, the Bon Jovi album, I have to say. I think they were good in the 90s. Not so good after the 90s, unfortunately, but 80s and 90s, you've got to love a bit of Bon Jovi. These Days was a great album and anything prior to that, I've got nothing bad to say about it. I think Dave and Krista will agree. I don't think they will. But let's move on. Unsurprising choice for me. Technically, I'm not sure it was the best album of 1992. That wasn't the ask, Carla. That wasn't the ask. But I can't go against my favourite band. So I had to pick Fear of Dark by Iron Maiden. I can't put into words how much I love this band. Dave and Krista did, did a review of this album because it was number one. Iron Maiden albums usually do go to number one Because of the crazy fans Yeah, because we're all let out for the day On day release And go and buy it en masse on that one day It's not the best Iron Maiden album It's by far not the worst It's kind of a mid-tier album It does have some really great songs on there But I couldn't not pick them The only way I can describe my relationship with Iron Maiden Is I don't understand football at all But you know how people get with football teams? Yeah. But that is literally how I feel about Iron Maiden. When Iron Maiden go to number one, it's like, we're number one. And I know that's ridiculous, but that's how it feels. Well, you're lucky I stuck around. You're lucky that I took you under my wing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very, very much for inviting us on. We're very flattered, aren't we? We are. We love those guys. They kept us sane during lockdown, didn't they? Also... The best podcast title in the world. Ridiculously good. It it made me physically angry when I saw the name of their podcast because we should have nabbed it. It's so good. Yeah. Anyway, thank you very, very much again for inviting us on. It's very much appreciated. Thanks, guys.
1: Right. So on to your number six then, I guess.
0: Okay, my number six, it's a triple tracker. It's three hip-hop albums in a row. This one again came out in the last weeks to not a great deal of fanfare in the UK, but this is Dr. Dre's The Chronic.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, th- th- we talked about this in our uh, Bon Jovi episode. Yeah. That in the kind of the six weeks up to the end of 1992, we did have uh, Bizarre Right at the Far Side, The Chronic, and The Predator. Yeah. All got released back end very little fanfare
0: indeed now if you want to i was talking with gangstar about the kind of hip-hop i really love and the fact that it felt like they were fighting a battle for it and this is arguably the record that kind of ruined the (laughs) hip-hop that i love because this is the archetypal who's had such an enormous commercial success uh, this kind of commercial gangsterism, that gangster rap just became the thing that sold units. It suddenly was the norm. And yeah, yeah. It, it became, you know, it was the dumb... In, it was the, the the kind of almost the loss of mainstream hip-hop being a righteous political message, and it came down to hoes and tricks and all of that kind right, of stuff, yeah. right? But it, as much as this is the album that th- popularized that kind of gangster thug thing and, you know, made dre a a kind of a mogul Mm. it's got banger after banger after banger on it i mean every track i mean i can listen to this record any time from start to finish it's fucking great man i i love this record. and look if you're not into this west coast sound you're not going to love this album which is
1: where i'm at yes. yes
0: and for me it's just got this swagger to it you can you can kind of see the palm trees you can feel their heat
1: right yeah and smell the
0: weed you smell the weed for sure i mean you've got to really take it with a pinch of salt these days you know it's cartoony you have to kind of give it a lot of cultural artifact yeah
1: definitely that because it's
0: loaded with fucking terrible misogyny and people saying terrible terrible things right but tune after tune after tune is them and by far the best example of the g-funk sound that exists of this early 90s yeah. G-Funk sound. Yeah, no that's one fair. This, is this, this is the template.
1: This was the absolute template yeah. that everyone else tried to emulate.
0: Exactly. And, and as we said last year in the hip-hop special, he wasn't the first person to do it. He wasn't the first mm-hmm. person to be to be sampling these P-Funk records, some mm-hmm. George Clinton and this style of kind of spacey, kind of synth-heavy, squelchy kind of bass lines. He wasn't the first to be doing it, but he was the person that perfected it. And to be fair for the amount of people that bit Dre after straight out of Compton, you know, he he doesn't owe anyone anything. In no, the field absolutely. Of
1: oh, I have nothing against him being successful off the back of this at all. He deserves everything he got because this is a very well produced album. It's a brilliantly produced album. You, you say the archetype mm. of this sort of sound. Yeah. It is year one for G Funk really. And I just don't like G Funk.
0: And that's absolutely fine. And that's, fine. that's, and that's absolutely issue. fine. But you know, you look at the people that were that were on this record, you know, you kinda of, I mean obviously the the secret weapon of this album was, you know, okay, you are Dr. Dre, you've fallen out with all of NWA. Mm-hmm. Well not all of NWA, but anyone that was Anyone that, that mattered. Anyone that mattered. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like, oh, oh I haven't got Easy E anymore. Oh, ah, yeah. we haven't got Ren anymore. Yeah. Uh, uh, but no, but, you know, you haven't got Ice Cube. Uh he's still got he's still got uh the DOC but the DOC at this point is unable to rap after his is, car accident. I know his voice
1: is gone.
0: And he finds Snoop. He finds Snoop and his Fucking Secret Refin is this fucking skinny, weird-looking fucking kid. gangly, yeah. But fucking Snoop had a flow that it's difficult to imagine now, but no one had heard anyone flow on a record like Snoop before. You know, whether you like it or love it, it's fucking unique, right? It's not so unique now because people have, you know, bitten it and blah, 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 you know, and, and Snoop is on Just Eat adverts.
1: Mate, he's all over ads at the minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I saw somewhere that he's just about to do a Soda stream one.
0: I mean, motherfucker's got tax bills to pay, clearly. Clearly
1: so. But look, you know... Huge drug builder every week. You
0: know, like, Snoopy's a bona fide kind of pop culture icon. Probably more so than Dre.
1: I would say so, yeah, definitely.
0: But, you know, but he found him as this fucking street kid with a gang connection Uh and put him on, man, and... Bingo. It's great, man. You know, you got other MCs on here. You got RBX, and mm-hmm. you got, uh, you know, Daz Dillinger, and fucking <laughs> all. You know, other people
1: all... who didn't really get the uh, the post album career that they thought I might have done.
0: Well, you know, I mean, I've, I mean, to be honest with you, man, the amount of records that the the, the dog pound stuff sold in. America. Actually, that's true. Anything that was on Death Row did so well. Because this is, well, again, first release from Death Row. Right, yeah. Kind of weird network. The thing that was behind the kind of the East Coast, West Coast Mm -hmm. beef. All of this stuff that came out of hip hop stems in a large part from this record. Right, sure. Without this record, the pop chart wouldn't sound like it does today.
1: No. Absolutely. Well, this has changed the landscape of hip hop uh, in terms, especially in terms of mainstream hip hop. What was uh, getting into any top forties? Yeah,
0: I mean, this, this album, you can draw a direct line between this and so many other records having the level of success they did. Record company executives saw this stuff selling, and they signed. So many just fucking anything
1: that's something like this. Exactly, yeah. this
0: kind of you know, it, it it changed what was permissible for better or worse in hip hop. Sure, uh, it's here at number six for me purely because there are just too many fucking great tunes on this. Right. Too many examples of great production, great lyricism. It's diverse. It's a stupidly good record.
1: What one are you going to put into a playlist? Uh, right. Okay. Now, have you chosen one with a, a title that we can say?
0: Uh, yeah, okay. I, have. I mean, my you know my my favorite track on this album, unapologetically, is Nothing But a G Thing. Sure. That's not what I'm choosing because everyone? everyone's, okay. everyone's heard Nothing But a G Thing. Right. Okay. I'm going with D's Nuts. Deez- <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's a bit, man. I don't know if you want to drop it oh, in God. here, but there's a there's a bit at 3:13. I heard you want to fuck with Dre, uh-huh. right? And it's just fucking illustrative of a lot of the stuff that I like about this record.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: well love that
1: man <laughs> so fucking good good grief good grief um there's also not uh, a lot of people on of our listeners that put this into the top five we did have one uh bogdan uh, bogdan tiganov i think I am quite sure I pronounced that incorrectly. He's got it in his top five anyway, The Chronic. Um, But he has also said, in the same way that a lot of people have have agreed that 92 was such an incredible year for music that he could easily interchange five other classic albums. So I suspect that is the case with a lot of people that, you know, on another day, The Chronic might have made it into more of these lists as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think it definitely deserves its place. It probably deserves to be top five, but we had some winners and some losers. It has to be. That's the way it goes. And so, okay, um, what are you going to go with for your track six?
1: Uh, right, so number six for me. Uh, staying on the kind of semi-hip-hop tip, I've gone for Body Count's self-titled album, Body yeah. Count. It's fucking stupid. It's one of the dumbest albums in the world, and I absolutely love it.
0: Yep, yeah, fair enough, mate. It's ridiculous. I, I'm with you. I Every mean- way.
1: I remember, I, you know, I have memories of one of my summers, probably 93 rather than 92, uh, driving around Northern Ireland Yeah. Um, with uh, Niall Bakewell, uh, who, you know, again, regular contributor to the podcast. Me and him, I went to stay at his for a couple of weeks. And we just drove around the north of Ireland with this blasting out of my mum's car, being absolutely in hysterics at how ridiculous the whole thing was, and singing along at the top of our voices to fucking voodoo and evil dick, that sort of stuff. Yeah. If for anyone who hasn't heard this album, and I doubt there's anyone who's listened to this who hasn't, it is Ice-T, uh, so uh, hip-hop MC, doing a metal band called Body Count, doing just full-on heavy metal, and putting it in the the view of the most ridiculous shit that he can talk about. There are, again, there are definitely some uh, allusions to the, the riots the 92 riots and police brutality and that sort of thing so there's there's absolutely some political commentary going on because Ice-T couldn't get away from that but he also just has a lot of fun with some ridiculous bullshit
0: oh yeah for sure man Look, this is I mean this was the album that caused all of the I- Ice-T controversy this yep. is the album that got him dropped from Time Warner Indeed. this is the album that had Charlton Heston showing up <laughs> in the board meeting trying to get Ice-T thrown off yeah. of the Time Warner roster
1: Um, But because of one song in particular, the Cop Killer song was the one that everyone was up in arms by. There was a lot of... Is is that on your copy? It was on, because I only had it on tape. Right. And I got it taped off uh, the older brother of a mate of mine, and he had bought it day one, so I did have Cop Killer. And I was very pleased with myself that I had that.
0: Oh, for sure. And it's such a ridiculous, it's such a ridiculous song for there to be... You listen to that song, and you're like, if you listen to any, like, gangster rap, and you're like, all this fuss about that song. Yeah, What? It's like I mean, like you put that next to fuck the police, and it is nothing. No, I mean it really isn't. But look, I enjoy this record a great deal. One of my favorite. We there was a time, either a Red in festival or a Download festival a few years ago, uh-huh. where uh, Voodoo was on. <laughs> is, it, is it Voodoo bitch? No, no it's just Voodoo. It's it's KKK, KKK bitch. KKK bitch. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. And uh, and for, for some reason we, it was on. And we spent the entire festival just at some point, whatever happened, just sort of stopping mid sentence. Go, hey, hang on a minute, my eyes, bitch! <laughs> 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 and it was just. Do you remember? It just became a thing where you could yes. drop it in. Oh, hang on.
1: Oh, wait, hold on, one sec. My <laughs> eyes,
0: bitch!
4: <laughs>
1: and
0: it was oh the most fucking fun I've had, man. And yeah. like, you know, even when I, even when they came back and they had like that track, bitch in the pit. Oh, I don't remember Bitch in the Pit. I remember Talk Shit, Get Shot. Talk Shit, Get Shot. No, Bitch in the Pit is yeah. uh, one of my friends. There's a bitch in the pit! <laughs> Fucking hell. Um uh. Honestly, mate, it's... Uh, right. Yeah, look. Ice-T was always well, well aware of the cartoony nature of what he did. Indeed. He, he archetyped it on Iceberg Slim and all of those kind of... That pimp poetry uh-huh. stuff. I'm, you know, I'm on record as a massive Ice-T fan. Oh, absolutely. Uh, look, I can't put that this album in my top 10 uh-huh. cuz it is ridiculous it is i and can't believe it as fuck. <laughs> oh yeah mate. but uh, uh, i totally get the logic behind including it
1: the other the other thing was uh, it is so shonky the in terms of the way that they play their instruments they oh are not good and the tape i had this on on the other side was um I think it was like a Jimi Hendrix raised hit. Yeah. So, we'd, me and Niall would be flipping it over, listening to some of the best guitar solos you'll ever hear. Some yeah. brilliant drumming. And then we go back into body count. And he just, Ice T, just shouting, Beat Master V, motherfucker. And it, this awful <laughs> solo. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here's there's Ernie C. It's like, oh, mate, Ernie. Don't. Ernie, Ernie C. And exactly. I
0: mean, uh, they, they, that's an, we were in our conversation about bad names to have.
1: Ernie C. Ernie
0: C. You got a lot of shit from a guy called Warren this week. Oh, didn't I you? did.
1: Oh, I do have to apologise. Uh, we got a listener called Warren who uh, <laughs> who emailed to say that uh, he didn't think that was entirely fair that I said, for example, Warren G he was, was not furious. a cool name. And uh, you know, I I I can't deny it because in the end, you know, Warren obviously he just fired me some fire lyrics. He, he was spitting fire, yeah. and he's well cool, man. He's well Street, yeah, very he's, hip.
0: He's, he's gangstered it down. So, so yeah, Warren, Warren
1: is now on the on the OK list.
0: Warren Avis, yeah, you you fought your case and you've won. <laughs> Warren isn't a shit name.
1: Indeed, anytime you want to go into hip hop, Warren, you're allowed. You get a pass. I mean, you should have had a go at Krista's name, really. Uh, well, exactly, but I wouldn't have called myself krister g uh, I mean, unless you, I wanted to be really big in Sweden, Crispy G, Crispy G, exactly. Anyway, crispy right, g. okay. So yeah, body count. It is all of the wrong reasons, but. Sure. Uh, but I was such a, I loved it so much, and it still brings me a lot of joy. Oh, it's, it brings me an enormous so, amount. I was of like, joy "Fuck well. it, it has to go in." Um, number six, I think is fair. You know, it's not top five, yeah, but it's it's in there. And in terms of ones to put on, I thought about doing all the silly ones like Voodoo and Evil Dick and that sort of stuff. I've actually just gone for Body Count Anthem because it's such a ridiculous, just a chugging guitar riff and the band going Body Count BC BC. It's just that for two minutes. It's wicked. Not uh,
0: body count, body count. That one.
1: No, no that's body count in the body house. Body count in the house. Oh, yeah. it's a
0: shame. I'll, if you'd have gone for body Counts in the house, uh-huh. then that would have been the second time it appeared on the best of list because I had it last. I had it in '91 on OG. Off
1: oh, off the, off the IC, is, oh. yeah. Right. There you go. Fair enough. Right. No, I go for body count and on that one because it's a lot of great fun.
0: I danced a lot to body counts in the house yeah. in, in various rock clubs. No, fair enough, yeah. man. I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a full pass on that one lovely stuff alright so that brings us to the end of tracks 10 to 6 that
1: is the first half of both of our lists
0: Okay, as always guys get in contact tell us why we're right tell us why we're wrong Uh, we're going to have a load of these uh, uh, lists up on the website we'll be back uh, with the second part of these numbers 5 to Mm -hmm. 1 yeah thank you for joining us we'll catch you next time cheers
1: guys Thank you for checking out this episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. It was produced and edited by us, for which we can only apologise. We're on Twitter, at PCL Podcast, on Instagram, also at PCL Podcast, and Facebook.com slash PCL Podcast. All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is PCLPodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on PCLMusicPodcast at gmail.com. Andy Copping, who we talked to on the Rage Against the Machine episode just recently, has uh, come on again to let us know what his albums of 1992 are what he was listening to at the time and what he wants to talk about Andy thank you for coming on again mate
2: no it's absolute pleasure
1: we are talking about a lot of different albums on this one um but you must have some that stand out to you
2: oh no i mean there's a you know a number of uh, great albums that came out um in in that period and i was having to pick one was, uh, was tough there's tough. so many good albums like that year eight albums you know really the, a good time the, for music uh, the Black Crow's Southern Harmony album, a, amazing record. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, the the singles soundtrack album is actually really good. I know it's it a competition. Brilliant. It's a it's fantastic album. It was, uh, you know, and is amazing. The um, Heart, who uh, were on there as the lovemongers, and they did a version of Battle of Evermore by Led Zeppelin, which is incredible. Um, but again, you know, some just Mother Love Bone and Pearl Jam that were uh, on that soundtrack. One of my favourite
1: Smashing pumpkin songs of all time is on that. I mean, there's not anywhere else.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, such a great record. But um, actually, my favourite from uh, 1992 is Vulgar Display of Power.
1: Oh, my goodness. Wow. wow.
2: Absolute beast of a record. Isn't it? Fucking uh, hell. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'd, I was thinking about it, and, and obviously Pantera, had, they'd come from that whole um, hairspray glam Yeah, rock they were a bit more glam
1: the, back in the start. Era.
2: And then when Cowboys from Hell came out, it was like ah, this is what the band are all about. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's such a great record that was. But for me, vulgar display of power. Yeah, even from the album cover. <laughs> where, <you> know, <laughs> Yeah, the fist, the face. <laughs> that, that, that you, you knew straight away what the intention was with that, with uh, with that record. Oh, there is no fucking a bite.
1: It is oh, straight in.
2: Absolutely. I mean, opening with uh, "Mouth of War," really? which was just totally, totally full on. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the track for me uh, was uh, that really, really had an effect on me. Was fucking hostile. Oh yes, it, <laughs> yes it, it, it sounded like really early Metallica, uh, totally full-on, just so, uh, like so fast, mm-hmm. and obviously the l- 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 lyrical content, yep. um, says it all and and Phil just spitting out that bio with a fucking oh, horse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. and like oh, man <laughs> you' like wait, waiting for it to come. <laughs> um, just just amazing amazing record and a then another, another track from there um which was uh, again uh, a big 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 dance floor filler at the time was walk yeah and, oh. the, and, and the track walk and that riff i mean still to this day uh you know it's killer it turns a uh, shivers down your mm. spine you I know was. what Come in.
0: Uh, one of my favourite all-time download festival memories was uh, Damage Plan playing on the main stage and playing their stuff and then just all of a sudden just Dimebag drops into the riff from Walk and yeah. just the whole place erupted just all, just <laughs> run men sort of sprinting and crying towards the front of the yeah. stage. Yeah.
2: No one, no one can play that riff any better or as good as Going back, yeah, and, like it, and you knew straight away that the sound and the resonance that he got uh, from he, from his guitar was was incredible. Um, and you know, obviously, with the you know the, the way that he died, murdered effectively, yeah. and the outpouring of love for him, um, I spent a little bit of time with him. I was working in uh, uh, in, in Birmingham in the mid nineties, and. Um, he came to the club that I was working at, and he did uh, he did some uh, promotion, and he was such a lovely guy. I mean, listen, a huge, huge drinker. Oh, I bet. He, yeah. He, he, I mean, this 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 man could drink. I remember we had to we literally one of the security carried him out over <laughs> a fireman's lift, carrying him out of the venue. I mean, he was in such 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 a state what a lovely 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 guy really um, brilliant yeah and and you know the, the 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 outpouring of love for him when when he passed away from many guitarists obviously you know uh, Zach wild etc mm. but you know even the fact you know if you you look Eddie van halen being at his, his his funeral uh and just you know a lot of the respect that he he garnered from other you know great and phenomenal players yeah um, and he really was he was the sound of Pantera. And, you know, F- Phil was the voice and, and Phil was the aggression. Um, and, you know, we, we shouldn't forget um, Rex and Vinny. And, and Vinny oh. was a solid, solid drummer. Amazing, yeah. And, and Rex would, you know, holding it all together, um, you know, with, with the bass. I mean, mm. such a, an intense band. Again, I had them. Uh, I want to say twice at at Rock City when I was there. Yeah. And oh, my God, those shows. I I, I remember going backstage because I'd I'd got some um, promo photographs to uh, get them to sign. Right, sure. And uh, Phil had his own dressing room. And I thought, oh, that that, that was a little bit weird why they weren't all together. Right. But when I went in there, I totally got it. It was completely, he kitted out one of the dressing rooms at Rock City. It was, it was like a weightlifting, um, you know, like a gym. Yeah. He'd got all his weights in there, he'd got boxing pads, the whole bit. And and when I went in, he was like pumping iron, and oh my <laughs> God, he just looked. Like this. Jesus Christ, I, I I thought he's going to rip my head off. <laughs> yeah, this. Beast, yeah. I, anyway, I got I got Phil to uh, you know to sign the um, sign the photo, which, which, which was great. But the importance of the show uh, to to him, and obviously to the band, but particularly Phil, was the fact that he was getting himself super pumped right going on stage. And the the shows were just off the scale. I oh, mean, man. again, you knew that you were going to have your face ripped off when you went to a, a Pantera show. Sure. Um, and yeah, that that album in particular, that to me was the band at their peak. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there were there there were uh, you know the far beyond, uh, beyond Driven, etc. After then, good albums, but. but- For me, vulgar display of power, that was it. That is
1: the one. If someone said, I've not heard Pantera, what should I check out? You're just going to go, Here you go, have fun with this.
2: Yeah, enjoy yourself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a wicked choice.
0: My memory of that time of that album as well was like, because I think uh, they went out with Megadeth, didn't they? Megadeth were were headlining. And I remember a load of my friends going to that show and coming back, and no one had anything to say about Megadeth. And everyone had gone as massive (laughs) Megadeth fans but it was all about this this support band that had just just blown them off the stage which uh, i can't imagine went down too well with (laughs) Dave.
2: you know it's really interesting that because you see a lot of bands that went through that uh you know where where the support band really like you know kicked their asses if you go back into you know the late 70s when van halen supported black sabbath and literally nobody had heard of Van Halen and obviously I mean Black Sabbath were obviously it was the last uh proper tour that they did with Ozzy in that period yes everybody after that tour just talked literally talked about Van Halen like oh my god they were amazing incredible uh, and blew Sabbath off the stage I remember going and seeing um Slayer in the uh in the mid-90s and Machine Head were opening for them. Uh, well, and yes, I have absolutely. to tell you, and, and, uh, and I love Slayer, but Machine Ed properly kicked their ass. I mean, yeah. if anything, it did make Slayer play better. You almost could see that they had to come on and do right, something. Right, they, they couldn't just slack off, yeah. Definitely not. But everybody after that tour was talking about how amazing Machine Ed were oh my god did you see Machine Ed see Machine Ed and 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 as as you know uh, Dave pointed out there the fact that um, Pantera properly kicked Megadeth (laughs) off on on that run and it kind of made you know bands uh, of that ilk they had to step up sure you know you know I'm not saying that they got lazy but maybe they got a little bit complacent and suddenly having young bands coming through, yeah. with that, you know, with that that, uh, that white knuckle intensity, mm. um, lifted them a little bit. And um, yeah, so not surprised. I mean, how do you follow Pantera? Jeez.
1: Oh, God, imagine trying that. Yeah. You see the crowd and you go like, actually, we'll just leave it there, shall we? Yeah, yeah that's fine. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, you know, it's um, after... Uh, dime bags pass him. We were so so close to getting a Pantera uh, reformation with uh, Zach Wild on. Remember, uh,
1: the talk uh, about that, yeah.
2: Rex, I have to say, was he was the glue in that. It, it, he wanted to make it happen. He he was uh, doing everything he could to um, you know build the bridges, and it, and it was right. and it was pretty close. Zach was ready to drop everything, you know, uh, Black Label Society and. Yeah. Jump on board with it and it's it's a shame that it never came off i know it wouldn't have been um you know pantera for the purist but um i think zach would have done an amazing job and he would have done because he's a phenomenal player and just to see uh see the band doing those songs again would have been incredible
1: would have been a treat absolute treat yeah well mate that is an absolute Fantastic choice of album. It's, it's definitely on, uh, you know, both of our lists. Whenever we're looking through, that that stands out definitely.
2: Oh, pleased to hear it. No, Joy- it's a, it's an absolute corker. Love it, wicked, wicked,
1: dude. Thank you again for coming on and uh, and telling us telling us what you think. Much appreciated. We will hopefully see you at Download next year, my friend. Looking forward yes, to it. Uh,
2: yes, we're looking at that first weekend in June. Can't hopefully, wait. all this nonsense will be. Uh, behind us, so oh. keeping the fingers crossed for the uh, for the vaccine. Off we go. Absolutely amazing.
0: Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate, Andy.
2: Thanks and- a lot, fellas. Big pleasure.